Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today. And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or give them a call at 877-646-5347. Again, that number is 877-646-5347. Today is August 18th, 2021, and our first story, China is threatening to crush and destroy U.S. forces in Taiwan after Senator John Cornyn falsely claimed there were 30,000 troops on the island. China said this was an act of war, and they're not buying that it was a mistake. They think the U.S. is provoking them and are now running live fire drills just outside of Taiwanese territory. This could escalate further, but it's hard to know for sure. In our next story... Biden's approval rating reaches a new low. The American people are seeing through the lies. And of course, Democrat partisans support the president, but independent voters are starting to say no. Afghanistan is the fault of Joe Biden. And in our last story, my friends, what's happening in New York is fascism. You need to pay attention. I'm not exaggerating. It's not a joke. And absolutely, I will invoke Godwin's law. They are demanding people's papers for entrance into buildings. You need your ID. You need your Vax card. And there are no medical exemptions. Speak up now or forever. Hold your peace. If you like the show, please give us five stars and leave us a good review. And if you really like the show, tell your friends about it. Now, let's get into that first story. Chinese state media has issued a direct threat that they will destroy and expel U.S. troops from Taiwan. But this may be all a big misunderstanding. Senator John Cornyn tweeted out that there were 30,000 U.S. troops in Taiwan. There are not. China said if there are, we will invoke our rights and destroy and expel these U.S. soldiers, saying it would be an act of war against China. However, there are some U.S. military personnel operating in Taiwan. And China did go on to say that when they do take Taiwan to reunify, will the U.S. abandon them? In a previous statement, they said the U.S. clearly will. That's Biden's failure in Afghanistan. Now, it's good that we're withdrawing from Afghanistan. I'll say that a million times. But I think based on all of the reports coming out, we can see this is a disaster. And Biden and his administration have screwed this up because of that. China is now taking advantage, conducting live fire drills in the region, and they've already been pressing on Taiwan. Now, the reason this is bad, 
Taiwan obviously is one of our allies in the region. And with the fall of Kabul and Afghanistan, it sends a dangerous signal that the U.S. is not able to defend its allies. And now China, seeing the weakness, is pushing the rhetoric and physical action, showing that the United States probably doesn't have the stomach for any kind of defense of Taiwan. And if Taiwan falls, what about the rest of the region? The U.S. has already been struggling to save face. And there's a lot of questions about whether or not the U.S. should or shouldn't intervene. But in the end, it seems like the outcome of all of this is kind of obvious. The once great power of the United States is coming to an end. We will not be able to defend Taiwan nor our allies in Southeast Asia. And that will mean the rise of China as a global superpower. And then you will learn what it means to live under the political and cultural influence of communists. We are also seeing Chinese communist propaganda advocating for anti-racism and critical race theory. So I think that this is all just another big sign that things are getting worse here. You see, Taiwan is a, is, is a major producer of silicon chips. We need these for computers. We need it for cars. And now we're, we're seeing a shortage. This is causing prices to go up. And should China move into Taiwan, it will just be one more domino getting knocked over and then coming down to hit all of the rest. Outside of all of this, Donald Trump has come out criticizing Biden over Afghanistan and pointing out the problem with inflation. And what you need to understand about where this comes together is that it's, it's, it's all part of one big system. If China does take the actions they're claiming they will, reunifying with Taiwan, it causes a chip shortage. The U.S. will lose access to tons of its technological components. You will then see more and more inflation along with what Joe Biden's already doing. And it's less about China, I suppose. And it's more about the failures of the Biden administration, which could result in a major backlash. Maybe come 2022, we see a red wave. In 2024, we see the rise of a strongman president saying, enough, the American people sick of losing out and being mocked and watching China just expand and take over more and more space and violate more and more treaties, attack more civilian vehicle uh, um, watercraft in the South China Sea. Maybe they'll say enough and something big will change. And maybe that will be a reversal. But for now, China's not playing around. And the scary thing is that in the meantime, we still have three years, just over three years, and this could all potentially lead to war with China. I don't know how likely that will be. But if China does move on Taiwan and Biden is fumbling, bumbling and confident and says, you know what, we're going to go defend the place China's wrong, then it's war. So I don't know. Maybe that's worse. Maybe it's not. Maybe like some people, they think the U.S. should just be isolationist and say, you know what, we're going to do our own thing. Don't don't bother us. But then what happens when China takes over or I should say when Chinese influence takes over the rest of the world? It may already be. We already see U.S. interests, business interests bending the knee to China, to the Communist Party. That, my friends, does not spell a good future. But let's read the story and see what's going on with the statements from from China and what they're threatening to do to U.S. troops before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com and become a member, and you will get an ad-free experience from all of our news articles. You will also get access to the TimCast IRL members segments, as well as all of our new shows once they launch. And it supports our journalists, our writers, the investigations. Right now, we got it. We're, we're, we're digging into the food shortage, which we'll get into a little bit in this segment as well. One, uh, we're looking into where the supply break is so we can break that all down for you. So support TimCast.com, smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, share it with your friends. Let's read first from CNN. 
Chinese state media sets sights on Taiwan as U.S. Afghan retreat stokes nationalism. The chaotic U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan has presented Beijing with a propaganda boost. The Chinese state media capitalizing on the crisis to trumpet the supposed decline of America and taunt Taiwan with threats of invasion. The jingoistic rhetoric coincided with air and naval drills launched Tuesday by the Chinese military, which sent fighter jets and warships near Taiwan in response to what it called the repeated collusion in provocation by Washington and Taipei. In recent years, China's ruling Communist Party has sought to present the U.S. as a fading global power. And now the return of the Taliban to the streets of the Afghan capital is being touted by state media as the death knell of U.S. hegemony. <laughs> I think so. I really do. At we are on. We, we are going down, man. The roller coaster, the ride we went up, we're going down. It's downhill, baby. Is that all bad? Not necessarily. But if China becomes what the U.S. was, in terms of global superpower, that's going to be very, very nightmarish. In recent, uh, okay, so they say the fall of Kabul marks the collapse of the international image and credibility of the U.S. The commentary from state news agency Xinhua said Monday, following the blows of the global financial crisis and the COVID-19 pandemic, the decay of the American hegemony has become an undisputed reality. Its failure in Afghanistan is another turning point in that spiral fall. The Global Times, a state-run nationalist tabloid, meanwhile, has repeatedly played up what it described as the unreliability of U.S. commitment to its allies, suggesting the self-governing island of Taiwan could face the same fate as Afghanistan in the event of conflict with China. Taiwan and mainland China have been governed separately since the end of a civil war more than seven decades ago, in which the defeated nationalists fled to Taipei. But the Chinese Communist Party views Taiwan a democratic island of around 24 million people as an inseparable part of its territory, despite having never controlled it. Quote, once a war breaks out in the Taiwan Straits, the island's defense will collapse in hours and the U.S. military won't come to help. The Global Times said in an editorial, in an editorial Monday, the Global Times issued a few other statements. In one, they tweeted out, if there truly are 30,000 U.S. troops in Taiwan, it is believed that China will immediately put the anti-secession law into use, destroy and expel U.S. troops in Taiwan by military means, and realize reunification by force. They also went on to say, will the U.S. abandon Taiwan? This is a matter of time and situation. Once the Chinese mainland decides to unify by force, it will be unstoppable and destroy the capability and will of the island military to resist in a few hours. Given Taiwan society's obsession of small but sure happiness and fanatical about political infighting, the island's authorities believe they can achieve secession by enjoying the comfort under U.S. protection. But it's time to wake up. What Biden has done with Afghanistan has sent ripples through the water and the sharks can smell it. I don't know where this leads to. Maybe it's all saber rattling. Maybe it's all rhetoric. Maybe nothing happens. Or maybe this is another sign of escalation. We've seen the rhetoric getting worse. We've seen the threats getting worse. And this one, I mean, this time they're directly saying they will destroy and expel U.S. troops. However, they're saying if there are 30,000 troops, there aren't. There aren't 30,000 troops. And if there are, it's a secret from us. The Global Times uh, writes, 
Update. Senator reveals 30,000 U.S. troops stationed in Taiwan Island equal to declaring war on China if true. Tweet deleted after wide controversy. Yikes. Cornyn is believed to have been incorrect, or perhaps he was inadvertently revealing classified information. I don't know. You decide. I think he's just wrong. Apparently, the number dates back to before there was diplomatic ties between the U.S. and China, and there were U.S. troops stationed in Taiwan. The Global Times, for what it's worth, you know, Chinese propaganda says, a senior U.S. senator, also a member of the U.S. Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, on his social media revealed that the U.S. has 30,000 soldiers stationed in China's Taiwan Island. If the tweet is correct, it is a military invasion and occupation of China's Taiwan, an equivalent to the U.S. declaring war on China. China could immediately activate its anti-secession law to destroy and expel U.S. troops in Taiwan and reunify Taiwan militarily, some experts noted. In fact, China could now use this as pretext. A senator revealed they had troops. We now need to go in to make sure that's not true. What are they supposed to do? Maybe Cornyn, well, either way, Cornyn made a huge mistake. Either his number was wrong or he accidentally revealed some very serious and sensitive information. However, some others believe the news leaked by the U.S. senator cannot be true because 30,000 is not some small amount that the U.S. Army could hide and not being noticed on the island. And the U.S. has nothing to gain by stationing the U.S. Army in the island. Sacrificing its own interests to satisfy Taiwan separatists also does not fit with U.S. foreign policy, just like the U.S. did in Afghanistan. Ooh, they are really smacking people down. Well, let's do a fact check real quick, all right? Newsweek's got the fact check. They said, are there really 30,000 troops in Taiwan? They, they mentioned uh, John Cornyn's tweet where he said U.S. troops today in South Korea, 28,000, Germany, 35,486, Japan, 50,000, Taiwan, 30,000, and Africa, 7,000. Cornyn's figures were immediately drawn into question after he posted them on Twitter. Kuomintang, Tang, a political party based in Taiwan, responded to Cornyn to dispute the number it posted. There are not 30,000 U.S. troops in Taiwan. The last U.S. soldier left Taiwan on 3 May 1979, but that appears to not be true either. They go on to say, the Department of Defense issues workforce reports online detailing numbers overseas. According to the Defense Manpower Data Center's figures, as of June 30th, its latest report, there were nowhere near 30,000 U.S. troops in Taiwan. The report records, the report records 30 active duty personnel in the territory. 23 Marine Corps, 5 Air Force, and 2 Navy. Then there were 15 DOD-appropriated fund civilian personnel there. One Army, one Navy, and 13 Fourth Estate. It was detailed last year that the Marines were conducting training on the island, as previously reported by Newsweek. Chinese state media was among those who took issue with the claim. Hu Shijin, editor-in-chief of the Global Times, tweeted, Someone said, that John Corn mistook that number by using the number of previous U.S. troops stationed on Taiwan before China and the U.S. set up diplomatic relations. I think the senator is not confused and he wants to test our response. My answer to him is war. All right. Is this John Cornyn slipping on a banana peel and potentially triggering World War Three? Could you imagine? Oh, help us, please. The year is 2132. The earth is rubble wasteland from nuclear conflict. And they tell the children over a hundred years ago, a senator accidentally tweeted a wrong number. And China said, well, we take it seriously. And the answer is war. Or to be honest, they seem to know it's not real. They just want war. 
They want the excuse. They are sitting there waiting with their fingers on the trigger. Come on, Cornyn. War. Chinese state media previously pounced on the situation in Afghanistan to criticize the U.S. A spokesperson for Taiwan's foreign ministry referred Newsweek to Cornyn's office for comment on the tweet, but added that the Ministry of Foreign Affairs appreciates the consistent support shown by our friends in the U.S. They go on to say a Google search for how many troops does the U.S. have in Taiwan brings up a Wikipedia page about the United States Taiwan Defense Command that existed between 1954 and 1979. The Wikipedia page noted 30,000 troops from combined armed and branches. Newsweek says it is false. There are not 30,000 U.S. troops in Taiwan, according to the latest Department of Defense figures. There were there were such numbers decades ago. There has not been that level of presence in recent times. Newsweek reached out to Senator Cornyn's office in the DOD for comment. It appears they did not receive it in time. Okay, hopefully this doesn't break out into war. But the PLA, which is Chinese military, the People's Liberation Army, holds assault drills near Taiwan in response to U.S. provocations. From the International Business Times, the People's Liberation Army launched assault drills Tuesday at multiple locations near the island of Taiwan in response to what it called external interference and provocations. Warships and fighter jets dispatched by the PLA Eastern Theater Command exercised off the southwest and southeast of Taiwan, practicing joint live fire assaults and testing the troops' integrated joint operation capabilities, reported Reuters. Though China did not give details about the exact location of the military drills, the report, quoting Taiwan's defense ministry, said the aircraft flew in an area between mainland Taiwan and the Taiwan-controlled Pratas Islands at the top part of the South China Sea. Warplanes also briefly entered the strategic Bashi Channel off southern Taiwan that leads to the Pacific. The ministry said 11 Chinese aircraft entered its air defense zone, including two nuclear-capable H-6K bombers and six J-16 fighters, and that it had scrambled jets to warn the PLA planes away. A senior official familiar with Taiwan security planning said PLA Air Force was carrying out cap- a, a capturing air supremacy drill using their advanced J-16 fighters. In addition to seeking air supremacy over Taiwan, they have also been conducting frequent electronic reconnaissance and electronic interference operations, the unidentified source told Reuters. According to the source, Taiwan believes China is trying to gather electronic signals from U.S. and Japanese aircraft so that they can paralyze reinforcing aircraft, including F-35s, in a war. According to Chinese state-backed media Global Times, PLA senior colonel and spokesperson of the Eastern Theater Command, Xi Yi, said the U.S. and Taiwan authorities have been frequently colluding and making provocations, sending wrong signals and severely violating China's sovereignty and seriously damaging peace and stability in the Taiwan Straits. Xi Yi said, The exercises are necessary based on the current security situation in the Taiwan Straits and the need to safeguard national sovereignty. However, Reuters speculated that the PLA military action may have been a response to the U.S. approving the new arms sale package to Taiwan worth $750 million. Global Times also quoted several Chinese analysts who said the military drill could be a training for a large-scale amphibious operation and likely practice surgical precision strikes on designated targets within a short period of time. Last month, China had launched a three-day naval drill in the South China Sea in an apparent rebuke to to United Kingdom's carrier strike force sailing in the disputed water. The PLA Navy uh, maneuver between Guangdong's Shengchuan Island and the South China Sea coincided with Queen Elizabeth carrier strike groups entry into the South China Sea. Okay, Um, we get the we get the idea. They're active. 
There's fear of war. Donald Trump is roasting Joe Biden over Afghanistan and inflation. And the stuff with China has me thinking and Afghanistan. I'm reminded of the comic book Watchmen. Have you ever uh, read the comic or seen the movie? They're kind of different, but still somewhat the same. And there's one message in it that I think is important. The gist of the of the story is that the evil villain, he was actually one of the superheroes and they didn't realize he was conspiring against the world. His goal was to simulate an alien invasion so that the, the Soviet Union and the US would unite against a shared enemy, thus saving the world. In the end, one of the characters realizes the lie and he decides that Rorschach, he says he's going to tell the world the truth, even if it could plunge the world into absolute chaos and war. And Dr. Manhattan, another hero, says, I can't let you do that. So then Rorschach looks at him and says, then what are you waiting for? Do it. And then Dr. Manhattan uses his powers to make Rorschach explode because he could not allow him to tell the world what was going to uh, what really happened. Now, why am, why, why am I using that analogy? The way I see it is this. I have a lot of friends who are anti-intervention or even isolationist. They think we shouldn't be in many of these foreign countries. And I got to be honest, I agree for the most part. For the most part, because I'm not an, I'm not a moral absolutist, not like these characters or not like some of my friends, though. I, I'm, I'm welcome to entertain and have these arguments about what we should or shouldn't do. The issue is, should we be in Afghanistan? And the answer is obvious. No, we went in to get Al Qaeda. We get out. We should not have been there. Now look at what's happening. It's a disaster. We were there for too long. We didn't accomplish anything. It was a mistake. Plus, Biden's withdrawal was just a disaster. And it, and it pains me to say it looks like we could have that the Afghan government could have stood should, should uh, if Biden just didn't, wasn't as a reckless, was, wasn't as reckless as he was. Here's what I think. I think about that Rorschach story where he's like, I'm going to tell the world the truth, even if it condemns the world. And I'm like, that's tough. It would be like saying we must say America first, even if it condemns the world. Why? China will take Taiwan. China will expand into the Middle East and North Africa. They've already been colonizing South America and other parts of the world, uh, Africa. And then once they control everything, sure, we can be America first, but then they will simply say, we're cutting you off from your trade goods. We're going to cripple you. And then once the U.S. is crippled, then they can come in. And maybe it'll take 100 years, but eventually they walk in and they're wealthy and in control and they do what the U.S. does. When the U.S. walks into these smaller and weaker nations and says, we'll be greeted, by, greeted uh, like liberators. Hey, how about that? How long until China's doing that to us? And that's what has me worried. If the U.S. cannot maintain some kind of strength, then do we just end up living under the boot of the Chinese Communist Party? Maybe. And therein lies the big challenge. I don't think, you know, a lot of people like to, uh, on the left, they'll say that the neocons simply want intervention in war because it makes them money and boosts their stock portfolio and things like that. And I'm kind of like, I think that is a big motivating factor, but I don't think it's that simple. The establishment that we've seen has been selling us out to China for some time. So it really does feel like they've already caved. And regardless of what we do, we're heading towards that future where we will bend the knee to the Chinese Communist Party. And I think we already are. Look at our manufacturing base. What do we even produce? And that's why you get a Donald Trump. That's why people say they want Donald Trump, because he was going to shore up American borders, defenses and manufacturing. It almost felt like to me, and, and, and at least, you know, uh, possibly Trump saw the writing on the wall and said, we've given away our manufacturing. Our economy is, 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 is a house of cards. We need 
to bring back our base because the result is we're collapsing. It's, it's, it's the fall of the American empire. I mean, China's saying it. So Trump is like, well, then we can fix up our, our country and at least live comfortably after we lose our global influence and China takes over. But Trump was still resistant to China. And what Trump was doing was still weakening China. And boy, were they angry about it because they want to. They're, they're, they're putting all their eggs in the China basket. Look at these billionaires and these NBA players and these game companies that are just bending the knee to China. They're saying, hey, man, U.S. is out. China's in. We don't want a war to happen. So we're just going to move everything over. And here we are. Do you miss me yet? Trump slams Biden over Afghanistan inflation. In my opinion, I don't know that Trump would save us from the fate of a global dominant Chinese Communist Party, but I'd certainly take that over Joe Biden right now. So yeah, Trump, we do not like Trump's been gone. I get emails from him like seven times a day. The New York Post says former President Donald Trump lashed out at Biden. The Biden administration's handling of Afghanistan, rising inflation and illegal immigrants on Friday asking, do you miss me yet? Tragic mess in Afghanistan, a completely open and broken border, crime at record levels, oil prices through the roof, inflation rising and taken advantage of by the entire world. Do you miss me yet? Trump said in a short emailed statement. You know, it's things like that that I'm just like, Trump, why do you got to Can you not say it like that? Because there's going to be so many people who are like, screw you. Oh, man. But it is getting bad. And it's not just the war stuff. Under Joe Biden, we've seen quite a bit of bad. In line with what's happening with China, we need to understand how the invasion of Taiwan would negatively impact us. From Reuters, China's Geely warns of chip shortage, but keeps annual vehicle sales target. China's Geely Automobile Holdings retained its annual sales target on Wednesday, betting that new vehicle launches will offset the short-term impact of a global chip shortage and a resurgence of the coronavirus pandemic. The company's upbeat forecast and a strong first uh, and a strong first half revenue growth helped send shares of the Hangzhou based carmaker up nearly 4%. The recent worsening of the chip shortage and the resurgence of COVID-19 cases globally could pose significant threat to our sales performance over the next few months. But the upcoming launch of more new and competitive vehicle models should enable the group to perform better in the second half, the company said. I'm only highlighting this to show you that China is well aware of the chip shortage. And this is what you need to understand about Taiwan from the Wall Street Journal. The world relies on one chip maker in Taiwan, leaving everyone vulnerable. Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Co.'s dominance poses risks to the global economy amid geopolitical tensions and a major chip shortage. Now, this story is from June. The Wall Street Journal reported, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Co. chips are everywhere, though most consumers don't know it. The company makes almost all of the world's most sophisticated chips, and many of the simpler ones too. They're in billions of products with built-in electronics, including iPhones, personal computers, and cars, all without any obvious signs they came from TSMC, which does the manufacturing for better-known companies that design them like Apple and Qualcomm. TSMC has emerged over the past several years as the world's most important semiconductor company with enormous influence over the global economy. With a market cap of around $550 billion, it ranks as the world's 11th most valuable company. Its dominance leaves the world in a vulnerable position. However, as more technologies require chips of mind-boggling complexity, more are coming from this one company on an island that's a focal point of tensions between the U.S. and China, which claims Taiwan as its own. 
Analysts say it will be difficult for other manufacturers to catch up in an industry that requires hefty capital investment. And TSMC can't make enough chips to chips to satisfy everyone, a fact that has become even clearer amid a global shortage. Adding to the chaos of supply bottlenecks, higher prices for consumers and furloughed workers, especially in the auto industry. The situation is similar in some ways to the world's past reliance on Middle Eastern oil, with any instability on the island threatening to echo across industries. Being dependent on Taiwanese chips poses a threat to the global economy, research firm Capital Economics recently wrote. Its technology is so advanced, Capital Economics said, that it now makes around 92% of the world's most sophisticated chips, which have transistors has trend, which have transistors that are less than one thousandth the width of a human hair. Samsung Electronics Co. makes the rest. Most of the roughly 1.4 billion smartphone processors worldwide are made by TSMC. It makes as much as 60% of the less sophisticated microcontrollers that car makers need as their vehicles become more automated, according to IHS Market, a consulting firm. TSMC said it believes its market share for, the, for those microcontrollers is about 35%. Company spokeswoman Nina Kao refuted the idea that the world depends too much on the company, given that many areas of specialization in the world's semiconductor supply chain. What will happen to our smartphones, to our computers, laptops, tablets, cars, if China does invade Taiwan? I don't think they'll stop making them. I think it'll just mean that the U.S. will now have to spend substantially more money to buy them. And that means your comfort and your luxury are gone. It's, it's, it, these are interesting conversations that I've actually had a long time ago asking people about who they wanted to vote for. And I always said to people, well, do you like the status quo? You know, this is during, during 2015 and 2016. I was telling people, do you like the status quo? If you do, you want to vote for Hillary Clinton because Hillary Clinton is a bad person. She will do horrible things overseas. She will lie, cheat, and steal and manipulate in order to gain power. And it'll trickle down to some Americans. Now, to be honest, in the long term, they're extracting value from the working class and it will lead to your demise. But that's the status quo, isn't it? Now, what about Donald Trump? Man, he is the worst of American culture. A boorish, lewd old man. But he wants to secure our borders, bring your jobs back. And he's not in favor of the foreign wars. He's quite a, foreign wars, he's quite a populist. But here's the reality. America and its invasions and pressure and military might have allowed us free stuff. The petrodollar. Anybody who dare oppose the petrodollar seems to just, you know, have an untimely end, to put it mildly. So what does this mean? When China does move on Taiwan, and I think they will, and the U.S. does nothing, will the dollar really stand as the global reserve currency? And if it doesn't, how will the U.S. get access to the oil it's buying on the international market considering Joe Biden's crippling U.S. energy independence? Or did, it eliminated it, and we're not independent anymore. This is the scary reality of what we're getting under the Biden administration. Right now, we rely on OPEC. Joe Biden came out and said, please produce more oil. We need your help. He removed sanctions on Russia so that they could complete the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, shut down Keystone XL, and ban fracking on federal lands, public lands in the U.S. We get oil because we print dollars. You want to buy oil? You got to have dollars. That's the petrodollar, the U.S. reserve currency. But what happens when a bunch of countries start saying, we don't want your dollars anymore? We'll buy oil with whatever we want. Well, some countries have said that. And then the U.S. made quick work of their leaders. But it seems like they can't do it anymore. 
Afghanistan's a disaster. So what happens now when China and Russia laugh and say, you know what? You want to buy oil from us? We want it in, I don't know, euros or yuan, Chinese currency. What happens then? What happens then is that the U.S. doesn't produce anything. We won't be exporting anything and we won't be able to trade for whatever currency is being used, trade in oil. Right now, if a country, say, you know, uh, in the European Union wants to buy oil, they have to convert euro into dollars and then use the dollars to buy the oil. The U.S. just needs the dollars to buy the oil, but the U.S. can just create the money. So the U.S. gets oil essentially for free, at least in a certain respect. What happens when we lose that status because we don't have the military capabilities to defend the country? Well, then you're going to see gas prices skyrocket to what, $15 a gallon or some insane number? Potentially. I can't predict the future. I don't know for sure, but it's very likely. You see, a currency is strengthened by what a country can produce and then trade. So why would someone want the euro? Because you can buy stuff with it in Europe. What does Europe make? Oh, they make stuff. I don't know. If you're in Europe, you want to spend money. So and so why would, you know, so if they have euro and they come to the US, say, hey, I'll give you a euro for a dollar. Somebody says we could use with buying stuff from Europe. So, OK, we'll take that. And they do that because the US, it's the money for oil. What happens when there's no oil? Dollars don't, you don't need them. What are they going to be buying? Why are they going to, they're going to, are they going to buy expensive American made motorcycles or something? I really don't think so. That's where we're headed. I ain't worried. I'm not worried about it. I got no problem rolling up my sleeves, working for my food and uh, looking at the stars and enjoying life. What do you think Americans going to do when that happens? Whew. It seems like we're walking there. Like it, it's coming, but we're walking. We're not running. It's a slow collapse. Hopefully people will be used to it by the time it's all said and done and they can go and work on a farm and live more. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll just say impoverished lifestyles relative to where we are now, because that's where we're going. Ultimately, I think it may lead to conflict internally because people who are losing access to resources will want to take it from other people. I think we're heading in this direction regardless of what we've done with Afghanistan. I think Joe Biden just accelerated it. So we'll see how that plays out. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then. Who is to blame for what is happening in Afghanistan? There's actually a very simple answer from the Daily Mail. Biden's approval rating plunges seven points to its lowest ever of 46% after Kabul falls to the Taliban. Voters say his handling of the Afghan crisis is the worst of any president since the war began. The images we're seeing in Afghanistan right now are, are pretty horrifying. Some people in the streets, there's this one ridiculous image that I don't know if it's tr real or not, but it looks ridiculous. It's the UN Sustainable Goals Print, you know, painted on a wall as the Taliban aims a gun at civilians. This is Joe Biden's fault, my friends. What is happening right now in Afghanistan is Joe Biden's fault. But hold on. I'm not saying Afghanistan as a whole, the entire crisis is Joe Biden's fault. I'm saying what's happening right now. And anybody who denies it is playing partisan politics because they're concerned about what this means for 2022 and 2024 and for a country that's very, very heavily divided. But let me explain something very simple. George W. Bush started this war. The fault lies with him. He was president. It was his administration. It was the people around him. And it was it was that era, I suppose, where they decided to begin nation building in Afghanistan. That started the problem. I can blame all of what Afghanistan is on the Bush administration. But Obama expanded it. Obama uh, presided over it for two terms 
including Joe Biden. So don't come to me and say Trump's fault for negotiating a withdrawal for a, for, for a war that we should never have been involved in. Or I should say you want to do market reprisal or whatever it's called to go after Al-Qaeda. I understand that. But staying in nation building was a mistake. Joe Biden was the vice president under Obama. He was part of the administration. So after Bush, yes, of course, he started it. I think most of the fault for the entirety of the fiasco is, is on him. You still had Obama. You still had Biden. And then Trump says, I'm going to put an end to it. Trump negotiated a deal. The idea, my understanding is that the Taliban would stay away from the provincial capitals, from the major cities. And what happened was, uh, at least according to one assessment I read, I think it was the Wall Street Journal, Joe Biden, the administration pulled air support. And that is the centerpiece of American military strategy and what we had trained the Afghan security forces to do. Now, Joe Biden said something in his speech that, you know, we can't have U.S. men and women fighting a war that the Afghans aren't willing to fight themselves. And I agreed with that idea. And then I, I, I listened to some of the opinions of, of, of other people who are, uh, you know, active in Afghanistan, actual veterans, as well as some other comments from those who had been tracking what was going on in Afghanistan. And what many have criticized Biden for is that when the U.S. was pulling out under Biden's strategy, they basically said to the Afghan security forces, you will not have any support for us. We're out. The Afghan security forces then were willing to fight. And, and apparently many are still actively guarding the, the, the Kabul airport. But when you remove like it's, it's like, hey, when you fight, make sure you keep your guard up. Right. You tell them to do that. Then you say, oh, and by the way, we're now barring you from having your guard up. They're going to be like, what am I supposed to do? I'm not going to fight. I don't know how to fight. So certainly there were many people who are fleeing. Certainly you can make that that argument. But there's also the argument that strategically, it was a massive and major blunder. And as poll, uh, uh, polies are saying, uh, voters, this is the worst handling of Afghanistan under any single president, even Donald Trump with his withdrawal of the forces. But Americans didn't want to be in Afghanistan. I'm gonna, let, let's talk about what's going on. And I want to talk to you about the psychosis, the absolute psychosis and derangement that is the establishment cult. These people are not well, my friends. That famous quote that uh, I forgot the, the, the guy's name. It's that if uh, if people are really so dumb that they need someone to to guide them and rule them, you know, isn't it true then that those who would guide and rule are also in this? They're people, too. They're also probably dumb, right? The general idea is Everybody thinks they're the arbiter of truth and, and morality. And, and that's why these people fight for power, because they're narcissists, they're sociopaths, they're psychotic. They think only I can save the people. Have you seen my music video, Will of the People? Google it. Tim Cast, uh, Will of the People, original song. That's basically, basically what it's about. All of these people who keep saying, I'm the only one, it's like Dr. Doom. I'm the only one. And then what happens? A disaster, death, chaos, because you do not know. You do not know. I bring you now to uh, Reuters with one of the most one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. Reuters reports UNICEF quite optimistic after Taliban comments on girls educations, officials say. Oh, what was that? There was that one guy uh, in the Biden administration saying, we want to see the Taliban have women in government. <laughs> OK, this country is going to collapse. The next few months are going to be worse than most of you probably realize. Now, I'm sure I shouldn't say most of you, some of you. I'm sure most of you think it's apocalyptic. There was a tweet I saw that basically breaks down exactly what comes next. 
Is the Taliban going to be able to run the Afghan central bank? Are they going to be able to deal with interest rates and currency fluctuations? No. The, the, the governor of their central bank fled. Not that I'm a fan of central banking or the Federal Reserve. The point is the system in place will crumble. There is nothing holding it together. Now, I'm not saying that it's good that you have arbiters of, of morality and law. I'm saying that I'm a reformer and I always have been. You don't want to just destroy the system. You've got to work through it to change it so that people don't suffer and that you succeed as you move through these trying times. Now, with so many fleeing in Afghanistan, do you really think the Taliban is going to be able to maintain the status quo? Well, of course not. Nobody expected the status quo to remain. But no, I'm talking about the delivery of food. I'm talking about plumbing systems and electrical systems. TV, do you think they're going to be able to maintain these things? People are getting out. There's not going to be a functioning system under the Taliban. It just will not happen. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I just really don't see it. When you see how many people have fled the country, diplomatic ties being severed and disrupted overnight. Why? I think it's fair to say the Taliban immediately violated the peace agreement and Joe Biden did nothing. So it's one thing to say it's Trump's fault because he negotiated this peace deal. Well, I mean, Trump's deal was that the Taliban wouldn't be taking these cities, right? In which case, Trump would have retaliated and said they're in violation of the peace treaty and air airstrikes, perhaps. You know, as, as I mentioned before, we've had veterans on the Timcast IRL show who have said a small contingent of American leadership with some drones and you will maintain uh, uh, the, the peace and, and the Afghan government can maintain because you've got the air superiority and the air support. Apparently, it was all just taken away. Let me show you this from Christian Christensen. He says, Swedish staff left the embassy as their Afghan colleagues worked. Then they refused to answer calls from the Afghan staff and even blocked their official email accounts, left the country. Jan Albert Hudson, I wonder, uh, is a... Uh, Press Freedom journalist for uh, TROUW, America, America Mag, says from Dutch newspaper NRC, when Afghan employees of the Dutch embassy in Kabul arrived at the office on Sunday, they were flabbergasted to find that the Dutch had all left without telling them anything. They just left. It's not just America. It's everybody. This ridiculous idea ridiculous idea that there was going to be some kind of, uh, you know what, the, the, the UN's idea of, of this weird nation building thing they did in Afghanistan. They didn't understand the Afghan people. They didn't understand their culture. And you know what I see? The Taliban is awful. They're awful. They're really awful. I don't like it. It's, it's theocratic fascism. It, it is a stripping of individual rights. I do believe in gender equality equality of opportunity. Now over in Afghanistan, the Taliban does it. But here's the thing. I'm not an authoritarian. I don't think we should be showing up with guns and forcing people to do what we want them to do. Now, within reason, because I wouldn't say that I'm an anarchist. Certainly within the confines of a government, there is an authority that we, we, we follow, though I'm much, much more libertarian in that you know, if, if there's I, I think you solve more problems through negotiation and cooperation than than conflict and conflict arises when you have to. And you can see what happens in the U.S. with, you know, police breaking doors down. That's more authoritarian. And sometimes you have to because suspects are violent. When it escalates the level of violence, it's 
adhere to the authority or else. Here's what I'm saying. I don't like what's going on in Afghanistan. You know, I, I, the idea of what Afghanistan was before we went in there with the Taliban and, and, and you know, Islamic, uh, fascistic, theocratic, whatever you want to call it, not a good thing. But who are we to go into Afghanistan and just take over and just be like, we're taking over? Because imagine it this way. What if they came here and just took over and said, your way of life is wrong? The way I see it is we are America. We have our borders. We are not we are, we are not uh, an empire, or at least we're, <laughs> we are, but we're not supposed to be. We're supposed to take care of our country. Instead, we become world police, where we walk into this country and say, now you will live the way we want you to live. But these people grew up in a different world. They don't want to live this way. So the UN thinks they can impose these, these ideas, many of which are ridiculous, on a people that have no understanding of these cultural concepts, nor have they been raised to understand what much of this philosophy is. They can't even teach the people jumping jacks. Or was it called side straddle hop, whatever. And they think that when 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 after 20 years, we're going to say, have a nice day and democracy kicks in. No, I, I, I will say, though, I, I, I the more I read and the more I look into this, the more it seems to me that this could have been a success. It's 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 the craziest thing, right? I think the war was bad from the get go. I think we shouldn't have stayed for nation building. And I think, you know, uh, leaving was the right call. But the more and more I read, the more I'm like, is it possible that the collapse is just the fault of Joe Biden? And I think it is. Trump negotiated a peace agreement that was to be enforced. Biden is not enforcing it. He's sending more troops in now. So what happens next? The fighting is going to erupt again. We're going to try and reclaim these cities. And then it will be like Syria. The cities will burn. There will be bullet ridden buildings. It's going to be a disaster. Joe Biden should. I'm glad he left. I do think that the Taliban still would have made moves under Donald Trump, but I don't think they would have. I don't think it would be nearly to this degree. And I think Trump would have retaliated and potentially held them off. I genuinely believe that because I look at Joe Biden, sleepy, creepy Joe. I look at what uh, Matt Zeller said. He was on MSNBC's this viral video. I talked about it several times the other day where he said they never planned for these contingencies. They kept going to the Biden administration saying, listen to us. And he said the Biden administration was more concerned about looking bad than doing the right thing. I am unsurprised. Here we are from the Hill. Taliban fire into crowd beat protesters. There's a video, apparently, of people waving, a fl- waving the Afghan national flag, and the Taliban's like, nope, not anymore. It's amazing that you had relative stability for a long time now with a very small contingent of U.S. troops, and Biden would not enforce. I mean, he had 14 months, right, to plan for this. Oh, I know what you're saying. No, 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 that was Trump when Trump was president. Hold on. Joe Biden was running for president. He knew what Trump was doing. We all did. We all knew that Trump had negotiated this deal. We all knew that Trump invited Taliban leaders to Camp David and the media went nuts over it. Joe Biden saw that and said, I want to be the president when that goes down. The buck stops with him. So here's Trump, baby. Trump slams Biden's Afghan withdrawal shambles, defends his deal with the Taliban and says warlords could now have thousands of U.S. hostages in Hannity interview. They say, Former President Trump on Tuesday claimed he threatened to launch strikes against the chief Taliban negotiator's home village if insurgents failed to observe the terms of a peace deal, as he blasted President Biden's handling of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. 
It's not the concept of leaving, he told Fox News, uh, Hannity. It's the way they withdrew. It was not even possible to believe. The former president has kept up a running commentary on the unfolding crisis in Afghanistan, condemning Biden's handling. Biden and his officials have in turn said their hands were tied by a deal struck by, uh, with, with the Taliban by Trump. But the former president said he made clear in negotiations there would be consequences if Mullah Abdul Ghani Barada, the Taliban's political chief, failed to stick to the terms of their deal. We had a very strong conversation. I told them up front, look, before we start, let me just tell you right now that if anything bad happens to Americans or anybody else, or if you ever come over to our land, we will hit you with a force that no country has ever been hit with before, a force so great that you won't even believe it. And your village, and we know where it is, and I named it, will be the first one. I do not think they would have made these moves if Trump was president, because Trump, <laughs> come on. I love their, their Trump defenders that are like, Trump wouldn't have sacrificed the lives. Trump would have done, no, uh-uh, sorry, no, 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 no. Trump is a lot of things, but Trump is not a, a well, to, to, I would say to a great degree, not a pushover. He's the kind of guy who goes, excuse me, excuse me, no, no, listen, no. The joke we always make is that if you, you know, when Andrew Yang was at the debates in the Democratic primary and they cut his microphone off, he goes, he's just mouthing, no words coming out and he just looks around. What do you think Trump would have done if they cut his mic off? He'd go, he'd be, you'd, you'd see him frantically waving and yelling and then he'd look around realizing he's cut off. He'd lean over to the other person's mic and go, excuse me, my microphone is off. No, my microphone should not be off. I, I, no, listen, excuse no, you listen. He did it. He wouldn't stop interrupting Hillary Clinton. Now, I get it. Interrupting someone is not firing an airstrike on them. But do you really believe that Trump would say, do not take the cities or we will bomb you? And then he'd be like, oh, no, I can't bomb them. No, Trump would be like airstrike. Donald Trump ordered a commando raid, or I should say he signed off on it. One of the first things he did as president, similar to what we saw with Obama, the commando raid in Yemen is believed to have killed an eight-year-old girl. It's not the same uh, American girl, mind you. It's not the same as with Obama, where we had the confirmation with Abdul Rahman al-Awlaki. There is just news reports saying that they believe this, this girl was killed in the raid. I will say, hard to know what's true when it comes from the media. Hard to know what's true. The point is, I do not see Trump as being a pathetic pushover. And I think the Taliban also agrees. Trump was, uh, look, for better or for worse, he was viewed by the world as a madman with his finger on the trigger. But Barada flew back to Afghanistan on Tuesday and is among the leading contenders to head the new government. Trump's comments come after the Taliban, hours after they promised their rule would be moderate, started using whips and sharp objects to beat back Afghan, uh, Afghans crowded along the walls of the Kabul airport. One man was photographed with tears streaming down his cheeks, his face contorted in anguish as he saw his fellow Afghans being whipped. Women were filmed reaching their hands through iron railings toward U.S. troops while screaming, the Taliban are coming, in footage being circulated on Afghan social media accounts this morning. Meanwhile, more footage revealed crowds hard up against concrete perimeter walls on the airport's military north side, with shots being fired over the heads of men, women, and children to keep them back. Joe Biden's approval rating is its lowest point ever, at least according to one poll, mind you. I, I always you know, try to show contrasting polls. It is not its highest ever, according to civics. And I want to make sure this context is very clear. Civics has him at 49 disapproval and his approval rating is 44. His approval rating has been lower before. It's been 43. So it's been slightly lower before and his disapproval has been 50 at one point. So it's not the worst ever been, according to civics. Some polls do have it as at, 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 uh, his approval at, at its lowest ever. 
it's Biden's fault. And, and, and this is kind of shocking when you when we're now seeing things unfold and we're now starting to get, you know, information from the from the former Trump administration and from the Biden administration. We see that Biden is MIA. Apparently, I think it's the NSA saying that he hasn't even met with other world leaders or someone uh, said that national uh, uh, Biden apparently isn't talking with other world leaders about what's going on. He's uh, he's nowhere to be found. He's not answering questions. Jen Psaki goes on vacation. Kamala Harris says, I'm not going to talk about this. I'm focused on other things. And then Trump comes out and says, our plan was that we would keep the cities. The Af- Afghani government would stand and the Taliban would stay away. Otherwise, we would strike them. So how is it when the Taliban started walking in and we started seeing the Afghan security forces handing over their weapons? Biden did nothing. He did nothing. At that point, couldn't you have been like drone strike the military bases? Get, get the weapon? Nothing? Just sit back and watch, put his feet up, and then says, my hands are tied by Trump. Yeah, well, people don't believe it. That's why his approval rating went down. People don't believe it. It is you. And you know what's scary? Let me show you this. So his approval rating has gone down uh, by one point in the past uh, week or so. Biden's disapproval has gone up by about a point in the past week or so, or actually it appears to remain mostly uh, static. It, it, you can see in the image, it goes up a little bit, but not enough to actually get a full percentage point. What do you think the Democrats think of Joe Biden? 87% approve. It was back in, uh, what do we got here? When did it change? A- approval dropped from 88% to 87 in uh, July. So Democrats don't care about Afghanistan. No, they're just blaming Trump. Republicans always hated Joe Biden. <laughs> so his disapproval has been it's 93% and 94% among Republicans. But among independent voters, we see that little, little, that 1% uptick following the Afghan crisis. And that's where that bump up comes from. Independent voters over time, as you can see, have grown to disapprove of Joe Biden quite a bit. His approval went up and now it's starting to sink. Among independent voters, Joe Biden's approval rating is 34%. That matters. 2022, we're a year away from these elections, just about, a little bit over a year away. That's, that's, a, that's, that's an eternity when it comes to election cycles. But this matters. Democrat voters are going to vote Democratic. Independent voters. Now, that's interesting. Who are they going to vote with? Now, I don't know if we're going to see a, um, a major red wave perhaps simply based on gerrymandering and state control by Republicans. Republicans control many states at the, uh, the state houses. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I can say that the independent voters are the ones you want to watch. Why? They're not the hard partisans. They're not overtly like, yay, Trump or yay, Biden. They're just kind of like, I mean, Biden sometimes, Trump sometimes, I don't know. And they're looking at what's going on and they're like, Biden is doing a terrible job. And he is. And I've said it before, you know, I'm politically independent. Um, I voted uh, a Republican this last time because I felt that Joe Biden was bad. But more importantly, I don't like voting against people. I saw Donald Trump's second term agenda and it included things like school choice and opposing critical race applied principles. And I said, yeah, I'll take it and withdraw from Afghanistan. Absolutely. I think he would have done a way better job, in my opinion. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I, pro- I don't I don't know if I'm going to vote uh, Republican or um, or for Trump if he were to run again. I don't know if I'll support the Republicans in 2022 because you can't just come to me and say Democrats are bad, therefore support Republicans. No, I'm sorry. You know why? Because I'll tell you what's going to happen. The Republicans take the House and then they sit on their hands. You think the Republicans are going to engage in any kind of real subpoena power or anything against Biden? Do you think they'll actually move to impeach Biden? Oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene keeps trying. 
And we've seen the progressive left. They kept trying against Donald Trump. And then finally, the establishment Democrats got on board and tried to impeach Trump twice. I'm sorry, (laughs) they did. They did impeach Trump the first time. They couldn't convict him. And then we have, uh, so now we have Republicans running and they want to take the House back. And I'm just like, why should I care? What are you going to do? You had it in 2016, but there's one difference. A wave of populist, you know, um, or populist Republicans who represent something different from the old guard. Maybe that's worth supporting. I'm also interested to a certain degree in the Mises caucus, but not entirely convinced. Sorry. The, as much as I, I do respect them, the problem I have is the Libertarian Party's overwhelming support for critical race applied principles. Joe Jorgensen's support of anti-racism, which is a racist ideology that advocates for discrimination based on race, and they call it anti-racism. And then you have other Libertarian Party accounts posting things like, you know, just very much in support of critical theory. Because they're just so about personal freedoms, they don't care about social cohesion. I am not a right-wing hardcore libertarian. I am libertarian on the, on the, on the political spectrum, and I lean left in, in, in terms of a, like cooperative versus competitive markets. Uh, rather centrist, I would say. But I like Dave Smith. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's got a, a good head on his shoulders, and we're going to be talking with him this week. It's uh, this Friday, I believe. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know if the Republicans have it for me. I don't know. But the challenge comes then when people say, if you don't support the Republicans, the Democrats win. And that's a good point. It's tough, isn't it? It's like rock in a hard place. I don't like the Republicans. They won't do anything, but at least they're a roadblock for the Democrats. I'm sorry. You know, I get it. But at a certain point, I'm just like, how about we do something? How about we vote for people who will do something instead of just saying, I'll take the roadblock for another two years. Sorry. Now, if they if, if, if they can't, uh, if they can't and they haven't do anything, why vote for them? If there's an opportunity to vote for people who will do something, do it. And that's why I'm saying, you know, people like Rand Paul, Thomas Massey, for instance, they do things. Marjorie Taylor Greene certainly does things. Lauren Boebert, for instance. So maybe if there are more people who are running as Republicans, but represent something, you know, something more freedom based and a pushback to the Democrats, it's worth voting for regardless if it's Republican or not. And that's what you got to watch for. So watch for the primaries. Make sure you're supporting the people who will actually fight for your belief, for your values and stand up in Congress. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and we'll see you all then. Currently in American political discourse, there's a debate over voter ID. Democrats say Republicans are trying to suppress the vote and that requiring an ID to vote is racist. Because they believe that minorities don't know how to go to the DMV, which is just ridiculous. At the same time, in New York City, they're mandating IDs for entering buildings. And yet Democrats are all on board with this. All of the spineless, pathetic establishment authoritarian weasels who like to respond to me on Twitter all of a sudden have gone silent now that New York City is banning the disabled from the workplace. Oh, I know. I'm not playing these games about semantics and what they really want to do. Shut your mouths. This is an authoritarian takeover. I'm sick of the excuses. The people who say, Tim, the camps that they're building in Australia, this is it's just because the quarantine hotels aren't working. Oh, I get it. So if you want to build an internment camp, first intern people in hotels, complain the hotels don't work enough. And then everyone goes, hey, I got an idea. Intern them in a camp. So they're doing in Australia, what do they call it? Alternative quarantine hub with relocatable cabins. Excellent choice of language. 
We had a couple people on Timcast IRL tell me that, oh, it's no big deal. It's just because the hotels weren't working. So we'll intern people somewhere else. In New York City, you are now allowed, nay, required to fire any of your staff that have a disability, preventing them from getting the vaccine. Sorry. And if you followed uh, my, my, my reporting yesterday and, the, I, and, and Tim Guest IRL last night, you'll have known that I called, I think I called maybe like 25 different restaurants just to get the general feel for what they're doing. And they all said, you must have proof of vaccination. And all but one said that you will not have any exemptions. So in this instance, I asked them, you know, my friend has multiple sclerosis. They are unable to get the vaccine. The doctor said no. And they said, that's too bad. If you don't have proof of vaccine, you can't come in. One restaurant I called said, if they if they have MS, then that's fine. We'll let them come in, which is interesting. And I was like, are you sure? I mean, I don't think, you know, no, 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 we'll, we'll allow that. I think some people are still saying no to this. But my friends, in this segment, I would like to do something for you. I would like to violate Godwin's law to the most extreme way I can, which is to compare Bill de Blasio to Hitler and the Nazis, because I think now is appropriate. I remember uh, Godwin himself, you know, he tweeted something saying, go ahead and do it. Compare Trump to the Nazis. And all the leftists were like, oh, punch a Nazi. And now they're all like, oh, show us your papers. What did Trump do? Trump didn't lock down cities. Trump didn't go invade other countries. No, these people are the fascists. They are the authoritarians. They are the Nazis. They're not identical. And that's the problem. They say, well, the Nazis wanted X, Y, and Z. And these people only want X and Y. I don't care. They're authoritarian cultists and they're psychotic. And what's happening in New York City should send shivers down your spine. I called two dozen restaurants and they all said, we will demand your papers and we will deny you access if your disability prevents falling in line. Well, some people are refusing. Some people are saying no. The Daily Mail says backlash erupts as rollout of vaccine passport checks get underway at New York City restaurants with some business owners branding the move segregation. It is worse than segregation. They're already talking about boosters. This is not about COVID. This is about extreme authoritarian power and these psychotic individuals and the morons and the midwits who are propping up everything we were told not to let happen. And that's New York City. Now, I question, I, I know people in New York. Uh, I know there are friends of our of the Timcast IRL show, been on numerous times, who live there and provide their, and still fund and service and support these systems. It's absolutely incredible to me that we're literally at a point where the businesses are saying, papers, please. And when you say, I'm sorry, I'm disabled and unable to, to get the paper, they say, too bad, get out. Some of them, it was, it was funny when they were so desperately saying, we, we have outdoor seating. And so if I got fed up and I asked one restaurant, I was like, so you're saying people with MS aren't allowed in your restaurant? And they said, well, no, I, it's not that. It's, you have to have the proof of the vaccine. Yeah, well, you can't get it. And they said, I'm sorry, we're just following orders. Scumbags, scum. You know what we need? We need a phone bank. This is what we need. We need public support and public pressure. The left organizes these things all the time, spamming phone calls. If you live in New York or you know someone who does or you have visited one of these restaurants, why don't, why don't you call the restaurants and ask them? 
Are you mandating vaccines? Are you going to deny people with medical issues entrance into your facility? What about people? What if it's raining? You can sit outside. I am not going to make someone in a wheelchair sit outside because you are following a a decree from a despot. Fascistic de Blasio. I want to read something for you. This is an article from September 13th, 2017. The Nazis' first victims were the disabled. Do you know these things? Do you know how history played out? Do you know the warnings? Do you you recall what they told us not to let happen? It's unfortunate, isn't it? It's the older generation passes on. The lessons are lost. They say wealth lasts three generations. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's almost like the fourth turning. And I guess that's it. The wealth lasts three generations, whether it's the individual family or it's just the greater of society. Somebody works hard. They, they, they work their hands to the bone and they succeed and they produce wealth. And then they have children and the children grow up in a luxury and not understanding the hardships of having to survive the, the, the depression and the chaos and the war. And but but they still learn some lessons from their parents. They, are, they, they take some of that inheritance. They get connect, well-connected jobs, and they're okay. Midwits, probably. And their kids have no lessons. Their kids don't know anything. And they squander the money, and then eventually it evaporates. And their kids are broke. And that's kind of like the fourth turning. It's kind of like where we're going now. I, I, I've, I'm not a scholar of World War II or uh, the Spanish Civil War or anything. I've only read some things, but I can tell you a few things. By all means, people are allowed to tell me I'm wrong. They went after the disabled. We know that. They were eugenicists. They wanted to purge the undesirables. Well, let's think about a few things. If you right now were a fascist like Bill de Blasio, a psychotic despot, and you wanted to purge minorities from society and the disabled, what would you do? I don't know. How about this? You have the data in front of you saying the black community are the least likely to be vaccinated. You mandate vaccine passports and IDs. When their own ideology says it's racist to require IDs, they do it anyway. I don't think it's racist to require IDs, mind you. But I do think there is a serious problem with mandating medical procedures when your doctor might not allow you to undergo it. Which brings me to the disabled. If you were a psychopath who hated disabled people and didn't want them working, what would you do? You pass a vaccine mandate. Now, just because someone is generally disabled doesn't mean that they can't get the vaccine. But there are many, many disabilities preventing people from being able to get vaccinated. If you have a history of seizures, anaphylaxis, multiple sclerosis, cancer, and then there's the personal decisions about maybe you want to maybe a woman wants to get pregnant and she doesn't want to be taking a vaccine just before doing so. Or even though the CDC says they can, they their doctor says I'd recommend against it. Maybe because of a family history, or maybe it's because someone in their family had cancer. This is what these psychotic people who are propping this up don't get. These establishment Democrat activists who tweet all this stupid BS at me. What if your mother died of cancer and your doctor says, because of this, we are being very careful because you are high risk, but you're not under any, you don't have a medical condition yourself. Your doctor might say that. So that's why I always say, I have no problem with the vaccines. I think they're fantastic. I think, hey, look, the cases went down. That's great news. They're saying you need booster shots. Well, okay, that's up to you. The company wants to provide a service. You choose. You go to your doctor and you get advice. That's not what's happening in New York. 
That's not what's happening in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New Orleans. What's happening there is they're basically excising portions of the population. A massive transfer of wealth, a great reset, and an authoritarian rigidity emerging in these cities and these states. I want to read something for you from the New York Times. Uh, This is from Kenny Fries. I sit facing the young German neurologist across the small table in a theater in Hamburg, Germany. I'm here giving one-on-one talks called The Unenhanced. What has happened to those deemed unfit about research on Action T4, the Nazi euthanasia program to exterminate the disabled? I'm afraid of what you're going to tell me, the neurologist says. I'm not surprised. I've heard similar things before, but this time is different. The young man sitting across from me is a doctor. Action T4 could not have happened without the willing participation of German doctors. I have a personal stake in making sure this history is remembered. In 1960, I was born at missing bones in both legs. At the time, some thought I should not be allowed to live. Thankfully, my parents were not among them. I first discovered that people with disabilities were sterilized and killed by the Nazis when I was a teenager, watching the TV miniseries Holocaust in 1978. But it would be years before I understood the connection between the killing of the disabled and the killing of the Jews and other undesirables, he says, quote, all of whom were in one way or another deemed unfit. This is, listen, here's what you need to understand, as immediately the left will come out and say, barring people without a vaccine is not executions. Did you think that overnight the politicians in Germany came out and said, oh, we're going to execute disabled people? Of course they didn't. They needed excuses. They claimed that the Jewish people had typhus and needed to be segregated and we need to know who they were because they were sick. They said the disabled, they're unfit and unwell and they're hurting society. We need to know who they are because they're unfit. They are psychotic. And that's why the U.S. said, we will crush you. And that's why we stormed the beaches of Normandy on D-Day to stop this evil. And now it's here at doorstep. And it is being propped up by mostly Democrats. I mean, let's be real. It's not Republicans, for the most part, cheering for this. Sure, neocons, people like Bill Kristol, I guess. I don't know if he's cheering for it or not, but he's just aligned with the establishment. These people are insane. And the, the restaurants in New York are insane. One of the restaurants the other day said, I'm sorry, I can't risk it. I'm pretty sure that's what the German people said. When, they were, when, 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 when you ask, how did it get so bad? Oh, I just can't risk it. Yeah. There's a video going viral. It shows 12-year-old girls being detained by cops. Apparently, one 12-year-old is being arrested for not wearing a mask in Australia. And she resists. And the police pepper spray her, a 12-year-old. And the girls are screaming and crying. And I look at this video, and I'm reminded of each and every person who said to me, Tim, you don't understand. We can't stand up for our rights because we have kids. And if we do, we'll lose our jobs and we won't be able to feed them. I get it. I understand. I don't have kids. So I don't know that feeling. But I can tell you this. It will be your children being pepper sprayed and beaten by police. And then you'll think to yourself, if only I stood up and spoke out before it got to this point. And that's the problem. It's too easy, isn't it? It's too easy to sit back and take the easy path and say, I will do nothing. I will say nothing. I will not speak up because it doesn't affect me. And right now, I still have a job. Yeah, that's what people were saying in Germany. At a certain point, they decided to start fleeing the country. I can't go to New York. I I can't. In good conscience, I have friends who can't go to New York. 
Obviously, you, if you saw this segment the other day, you know that Lydia on Timcast IRL has MS. Her doctor will not allow her to get the vaccine. It's one of the reasons I'm so pissed off about this. It affects me personally. I can see it happening. I can see how it affects people. And I think it's authoritarian. I think it's psychotic. And I can say it 50 billion times, psychotic. And that means if we wanted to do a show in the New York area, we can't in the New, in the New York area. Now, there's an exemption. If you're a performer, you're allowed in. Isn't that amazing? How does that make sense? We're trying to stop the pandemic, but if you travel from out of state to play music or, or perform anyway, you're exempt. It's because you are living under a boot. And it's because you refuse to speak up. Because you said, I will not risk my life for anyone but me. And I would rather my children live under a boot being beaten mercilessly by, by, psych, by, by these, these, these authoritarian wingnuts than to actually stand up now while we have the ability to say no to this. When the future comes and you're old and you see your child strapped to a chair being tortured by cops like they do in China, they do it. You see the video where the guy posted, uh, he was uh, on, posting on, on, online that he was sick of the police. So they detained him, chained him and started torturing him. And he was crying, begging. I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. What are you going to say when that's your kid? They'll tell you that it won't come to that point. Maybe that's true, but it can happen here. Did you think that we would be at this point with, with uh, New York City? Did you think, if, what do you think would have happened if three years ago I said, in three years, New York City will mandate IDs to enter almost every building except for residential buildings. That they will require you to undergo an injection in order to get access. Sure, I can put it that way and they'll say, whoa. I could say vaccination. People might be like, oh, that's a little different. Same thing. It's framing though. Okay. If I told you that New York would say you can't come in without ID, would you believe it? The Democrats would be like, BS. Requiring IDs is racist. They have no ideology. They have a lust for power and it's being handed to them. I don't, I don't, I, I, you know, here, here's what's frustrating to me. I was talking to some people about cancel culture and uh, what's, the, what's the word I'm thinking of? Anathematization of individuals. Basically, you know, I don't know if cancel culture is the right word. It's almost like people are being excised from modern society. In a lot of ways, that's really, really bad for the establishment because it creates parallel economies. But it's something I considered a long time ago. Look, I worked for Vice. I got employed by Fusion. These are mainstream corporate, uh, corporate press. And when I left Fusion, I had every opportunity. I had all of these leftist blogs saying like, what do you want to do? We know who you are. We're familiar, with, we're familiar with your work. We think you're smart. Let's see it. What do you got? And I said, I'm not going to go that route. And I'll tell you, it was because what, I, I went to Vox.com. And when I saw some of the people they had in that office, and I knew the kind of lies they published in propaganda, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to walk into a situation for any amount of money. I'd rather just live in the woods. And then I thought about something. You know, the more, I, the more and more I grow this company, the more and more I do this work, there's two things to consider. The further I walk this path, the further away I get from all of the mainstream industry and establishment wealth. And I absolutely could choose to just go bask in all of that. I mean, it was how many years ago now? It's almost five, uh, f five years ago. It was over uh, just about five years ago that I could have walked away from the Disney Corporation and gone to any one of these networks and been paid substantial amounts of money. 
And I look at the the the, the, the very little amount of work it, it was required to, for these people to work at these companies. They barely do anything. I'd be I'd be paid really, really well. I'd be secure and protected. I'd have nothing to worry about, would I? That's not me. And it's dishonest. And I said no to that. And so I said, I am going to stand up and speak out because a job at these companies is not worth the hell that is being wrought by these lunatics. And now that means that I know I will never be able to work for any of those companies. The more I I paved my own path, the more it became obvious that I would have to continue to do so if I was going to have any kind of success. It will not be through them. Because each and every one of us on YouTube, I mean, those who have these channels, we're not going to be getting jobs anywhere else. What if they ban Steven Crowder? What if they ban his payment processor? I think we're, we're dangerously close to all of that happening. It's going to happen soon, maybe by next year. Midterms are coming. Do you think they want to allow Republicans to win back control, even if they are just a roadblock? Of course not. So every day I make these videos, every move I make launching this website, I think about the risks. What happens when you become more than a thorn in the side of the of the establishment elites? What happens when they, when they decide that you are as on par of a threat with Julian Assange? Not saying that I am. And then you get locked up for a decade. Is it worth it? I have to consider that. Sure, I don't have kids. And you know what? It is. I'm not going to sit back and let these these in, in, insane people implement this stuff and torture people. And you can see them doing it. You can see how bad things have gotten. Food shortages are getting even worse. I tweeted about it. You've got gas prices skyrocketing. You've got camps being built in Australia. People are saying they're doing it in, in the United States. I'll look into that one. And people say, yeah, well, I have kids, so I refuse. Okay. Why should I do any of this? Right? That's the challenge. The challenge is every day looking at every comment where they say, I will never stand up. But you should, Tim. Appreciate your work. I get it. I get it. I've always understood this. I'm not, I don't think I'm special at all. In fact, maybe it's a bit reckless. Maybe I'm the dumb one. You know, I always thought about this. I remember I had a friend who worked at a, as a waitress. This was in uh, Chicago, complaining about only getting like, you know, two bucks an hour and, and, you know, requiring tips. And they were saying, like, if you can't afford a tip, you shouldn't go out to eat. And I said, so I can't go to the restaurant because I can't give you extra money. And they were like, we don't get paid. We get two bucks an hour. And I was like, you chose that job. Don't get mad at me. You know, you come to me and, 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 and get, put out your hand. You might get nothing. I'll tell you this. If you and every one of your coworkers walked out, the restaurant would say, what do you want? You do it in the middle of the middle of the day when, when, and take advantage of them. And you'll say, we want five bucks more an hour guaranteed. And they will say, fine. Now, to be fair, the, the, the servers have a minimum wage guarantee, meaning you get two bucks an hour plus tips. If your tips don't make up to seven something, seven seventy five an hour at the time, it's, it's like 12 or something now, then uh, the company would have to pay you at least minimum wage. But they were complaining because they didn't want to make minimum wage. They wanted to make more. Okay, well, you can't rely on me for that extra money. Sorry. But how about you collectively bargain? And they say no, and they won't do it. So I've known this. I've absolutely known this. And that's why I've long said I will. I, I hate voting against someone. For the most part, I won't do it. I recognize strategic retreats. I recognize sometimes you have to say, okay, fine, I'll accept that, you know, it's really, really bad. But I'll tell you, 
I, I'm looking at the Libertarian Party, like the Mises Caucus, maybe, because my attitude is I don't care. You keep vote. You keep wasting your vote. You keep voting for trash. I won't. I'm not going to do that. I'll vote for the person that I think represents me the best or represents what is right the best. And that means I understand something else. Throughout my life, seeing people refuse to stand up and speak out and just watching things get worse and then jumping ship, I'm supposed to be optimistic that people are going to stand up and push back and finally speak out. Some people will. And we're seeing it with these schools. More and more parents are now protesting. All right. That's good. But it's amazing to me that nobody wants to actually take any risks. And maybe it's not amazing. I mean, I, know, I, know. I remember when I was like 19, there were, there were these guys, they had a small little warehouse space with a mini ramp in it for skateboarding. And they told me that they each spend 100 bucks a month for a key and they can go and skate whenever they want. And I said, that is brilliant. If I can get 10 of my friends to wall pitch in 100 bucks a month right now, we can have our own winter skate spot because you can't skate in winter. And do you know what each and every one of these people said to me? That sounds awesome, Tim. Once you build it, let me know and I'll consider it. And I said, no, this takes you stepping forward, taking the risk with the hundred bucks so that we can go and do this. And they all said, nah. Wow. They want you to do the work, then they want to latch on. So this is what I see happening for a lot of people. Now, obviously, look, those of you who are watching this, you're more likely to be paying attention and pissed off, and that's probably why you're watching it. But there's just too many people who say, nah, no, sorry, I'm not going to speak up. I don't want to, I don't want to risk my job. What would I do? Where would I go? I don't know. Well, think about all the people in New York. Where are they going to go? What happens when these mandates come to your state? And they will. What happens when they come to your city? What happens when it gets worse? What happens when it's the booster shot? Hey, that, that CDC card's got four lines. It's not just one booster shot. What happens when they say, okay, now we're doing the next vaccine. You got to get that one too. What happens when they then say you have to download the app or else? What happens when they then say, if you don't, we'll take your money from you? It's happened to other people. Bank accounts being frozen, money being taken, accounts being deleted. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Now is the time where we can just speak. We can take we, we can be uh, non-compliant peacefully and protest the way we're allowed to. Like, I mean, within the system legally, it's the smart it's the smart move. Peaceful mass non-compliance protest, civil disobedience. I think these are good things. So these restaurants in New York. I want to remind all of you, what Bill de Blasio signed in executive order is not a law. In fact, there is a law saying you cannot discriminate on the basis of disability. So would you choose to violate the law because the mayor said so? Do you think that when it comes time for you to be sued, the judge, you'll be able to tell the judge I was just following orders? Wise up. For everybody else, maybe we need a phone bank campaign to start reminding these people what they're doing. And tell them they're Nazis. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.